Here we go. It is the Holy Grail BCJ podcast brought to you by BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. And uh, it is the post Cotton Bowl edition, the end of the 2021 season edition of the podcast. Welcome to everybody joining us. Hi, Dave. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I, I forgot to tell you guys, and I can't really say it on air, so I'll tell you after the show. We got a we got a new sponsorship coming here soon that I'm excited about. Outside of just the Holy Grail, but yeah, it'd be a quickie, but uh, I, you know which one it is, uh, I think. So I'm excited for that coming up here in the very near future. I think it is one a sponsorship that is going to make the fan base very excited. Would you agree? I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, you do. We talked about this. Well, I'm sure I forgot it. <laughs> I have a lot going on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it more after the show. The people will find out soon enough. I will remember um, as soon as you say it. But right now I'm drawing a blank. Um, I guess we. it's time to talk about the Cotton Bowl. We talked about it quite a bit on the BBP. Uh, but... Always good to get an extra set of eyes and ears and their observations and opinions from the uh, journey down to Dallas that that put an end to the 2021 season, a season that started with a loss on New Year's Day to Georgia, who are now playing for a national championship. It ended on New Year's Eve with a loss to Alabama, who's now playing Georgia for a national championship. And in between, 13-0. and American Athletic Conference champions and the best season in Cincinnati football history. Let's uh, let's put a bow on it, and then going forward after tonight, it'll be time to uh, start looking ahead. We, you know, there's a little bit we can talk about looking ahead with the addition of Ivan Pace and some uh, some coaching stuff news, you know, happening over the past couple of days, but. Let's uh, let's let's get to the Cotton Bowl, Dave. How was your trip outside of the right drive home? Oh, it was good. We had, we had an enjoyable time. Uh, AT and T Stadium is is quite a sight. Quite quite uh, still just like it's still very funny to me that. You know, the, the the ongoing joke of it's in the Walmart parking lot is very, very true. There is a Walmart right there. Yes. And then I, I, as we were going in, I was laughing at like the, the very like mediocre at best apartment complexes that were right next door too. that. I was like, <laughs> I can't believe Jerry hasn't just bought up all that to and build, it, to yeah. build cowboy things that people will pay money for. Right. Right. Right across the street from the stadium. Um, but it was, I mean, it was, it was cool except for the game and the drive home. So, you know, glad, glad we got to experience it and hopefully we get to do it again soon. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, it's, it it was the frustrating part was just seeing a team that didn't play their best. And obviously, you have to attribute a good deal of that to Alabama. Uh, but the reality is that was that was not 
you know, the, the best version of the Cincinnati Bearcats that we have seen this season. And that's what kind of makes it, eh, I don't want to say irritating, but makes it no, at least I, a little I mean, bit that's, annoying. That's my probably like overriding thought is that they needed to play great to have a chance to win. And they didn't come, in my opinion, come close to playing great in any phase other than special teams. Special teams and pass defense. No, they're not. Mm, yeah, uh, but I mean, you know, not, you're just frustrated that, you know, you weren't, you didn't, even with what Alabama can and did do, you can, we could obviously tell that they did not play well. Um, and that's the frustrating part when you get into a, a situation like that. But at the same time, we as a program, we as a fan base, we want to play the best possible teams, measure ourselves against them, and it exposes your weaknesses. I mean, you're playing the program of the decade, you know, I'm counting, you know, last decade or whatever since the playoff, 2014, 2013, whatever it is. Like they're the they're the team. The you, gold standard. You want to see how you measure up. And sometimes that can be, you know, a stark reminder of where you really are, but you can't improve and you can't know exactly what you need to work on without having those opportunities. I mean, you can play in all the AAC championships and all the peach bowls and fiesta bowls or new Year's six games you want. It's not the same. And, you know, I hope, I just hope that, you know, there's a lot of good that can come from that. Well, I think that's like the one thing that like that we've learned, right, is they've been able to take those things and apply them going forward, right? Like they get, you know, they they get stomped by UCF and then they figure out a way to beat UCF three times in a row. And they got the, that game in his first year where Navy ran for just under a thousand yards. And then, you know, up until this year, Navy had really struggled against Cincinnati's defense, which even this year, I didn't think their offense was all that great, but they were able to hang around enough. Um, and then, you know, the, the AAC championship, they get over that hump uh, after losing to Memphis. And then they win it two years in a row. And, um, it, it's, it's something we've learned from this program that under Luke, they have continued to, when they've hit speed bumps, figure out a way going forward to overcome those speed bumps. So you have to be, you know, at least intrigued by the fact that now that they've gotten to the mountaintop, they're not going to slide completely off and never be heard from again. Well, I mean, you hope. That's the, you hope that's the case. It's, there's no guarantees, um, but yeah, you, I mean, it's what we I mean. There's 
It's what we talked about in the preview. It's what I felt. I mean, I, I'm not going to say it like played out exactly how I thought. UC had opportunities. They just didn't capitalize. It wasn't Alabama by no means played a perfect game. Alabama or, played a game that allowed UC to, to have a chance. Yeah, and they also like when they. I, th- I feel like when they get into these situations, they also do just what they need to do to win. Yeah. So. Except they usually blow everybody out anyway. Well, yeah, that's I mean, because they're that because they're that good. They right kind of just do whatever they want. Um, but there's just you know there's a lot of different places we can go. I just think that. You know, when you don't, you don't execute. I mean, that's, to me, that's the bottom line is. Yeah, for sure. You're at a talent disadvantage from the jump. I mean, we can talk about UC's increased talent, and it has increased considerably. And a lot of guys are going to get drafted. But just like, you know, I'll just use like Brian Robinson for an example. Like, Brian Robinson is arguably the worst running back that Nick Saban's had since he's been there. And he still ran for like 1400 yards this year and ran for almost 200 yards in the bowl game. So it's like when you're comparing those things to previous Alabama teams, you know, the down Alabama team is still loaded with guys that are going to be drafted and guys that have, you know, high, high level athletic ability. And then they've been in a program that, you know, has, you know, practically an unlimited budget and they've been playing in these, like, I think I, well, I I saw a stat the other day that I don't know if it, I don't know the timeline. I don't know if it was the playoff era, the last 10 years, what it was. But Alabama's averaging 12 and a half wins a season yeah. over over that timeline, whatever it was. And you're only guaranteed 12 games a year. <laughs> so they're averaging more wins than games, you know, that that you're guaranteed. So it's, it's just a different beast. And I think everybody saw that. And a lot of good can come from that. But they are, you know that's the thing too is this is not this is not a p5 g5 thing anymore no this is an elite everybody else yeah like, there's there's like four or five programs that are elite ohio state clemson alabama georgia because like you know for any of the well see this is we knew this was going to happen this is why you can't put the the g5 team in there if then watch oh, michigan georgia well, if Oklahoma State had been in that game, would it have looked any different? No. If Notre Dame had been in that game, would it have looked any different? Probably would have been more lopsided. Baylor? No. Ohio State? No. No. It's not a G5 thing. It's a Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State. We'll see about Clemson. They're just way fucking further ahead of everybody else. That's And that's everybody else. Their own conference, other Power Five conferences. 
Like the, the Pac-12 hasn't won a bowl game since 2019. Right. Like the, it's like a non-existent sport out there right now. This is, so this isn't like a you know, oh, UC didn't belong. UC belong just as much as any of these other teams that have gone in there, played Alabama, and realized it's a different ball game playing them. They're they're almost playing a different sport. Like they're playing oh, they, yeah, I don't think it's almost on some are. level between the NFL and college football. They are playing a different sport. I mean you're you're recruiting your quarter your quarterback from Matter Day in California is going to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Right. This does not happen. Tight end from Napa, California is going to Georgia. Like they're these teams are literally just going, all right, you're the best tight end. We'll take you. Doesn't matter where you're from. We know that USC and Oregon and they don't they don't matter anymore. Okay, you're the best quarterback. We'll pluck you. You're the best wide receiver. Couldn't get on, you know, was in a log jam at Ohio State. Okay, we'll take you. I mean, next year, Alabama is adding one of the best running backs in the country from Georgia Tech and one of the best defensive backs in the country from LSU. Like, they're playing the portal game now, too. So it's like, like, good luck. They're already getting all, they were already getting all the best high school kids. Now they're going to get all the best transfers. Right. That part's frustrating. (laughs) It's just, you know, but you want to be there. You want that opportunity. You want to see how you measure up. You want to see, you know, I know the coaches don't say it in the moment, but like you want to see where you're exposed, where your weaknesses are, where we can get better. Like how many games this year or in the past couple of years does you see play that they go back and they watch the film and they go, our guy didn't do this right. If it was a better player, it, it would have been a different outcome on the play. Yep. So you you want that. You need that to get better. Nobody gets better just beating the crap out of inferior teams. Uh, it, it, to this right here, are you are you tracking what's going on with this? The, the Lance Stevenson return game? Yeah. No. Not a, not a clue. He's back in Indy. Pacers yes. signed him to a 10-day, right? I mean, I've seen that on the Twitter. Yeah. He's got 20 points in the first quarter coming off the bench. Has he made, every, has he made every shot? He's pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty much. He's he's air guitaring. He's hitting oh, threes. Oh, I'm sure he's just strumming like a madman. <laughs> Lance is back, baby. Just strumming um, like a madman. Yeah, I mean... The, the, most all but three of the playoff games have been blowouts. All this, all but three of the semifinal games, yeah, have been blowouts. And, I mean, there's been 20, 23 playoff games, five teams have won 22 of them, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, just add Cincinnati to the list. Getting getting there is fine, but like there's a whole nother level you've got to get to. And honestly, like people might not want to hear it. Like it might not be attainable. There you go. Like, Nine for eleven from the floor, four of five from three, twenty-two points, start of the second quarter. Get them. Get them born ready. <laughs> it's wild. 
He's so good for like he's so fun. He's just a goofball. I, I guess if like it, you know if there, there's one thing you come away disappointed, it's that they didn't get a touchdown because they they had multiple opportunities and they just they couldn't cash in. It was you know it, the the chances were there and nobody made a play. Des didn't make a play. Pierce didn't make a play. Trey Tucker didn't make a play. You know, just so many, you know, this close that they don't recover the fumble. I know we've talked about this ad nauseum. They don't recover the the muffed punt. They don't do anything with the Brian Cook pick. Like at some point, if you're going to beat Alabama, you got to do something. You're not beating them six to three unless you're like LSU in 2014 or 15 or whatever that was. Like you got to, you got to be like, I know people are probably sick of me making this comparison, but look at what the Bengals, the Bengals chiefs, the chiefs are the best team in the AFC. They'd won eight in a row. And for the Bengals to beat them, Jamar chase had, you know, the best day in, in franchise history for a wide receiver. One of the best days in NFL history for a wide receiver. That's how you beat greatness. And Cincinnati just didn't do it offensively. No, I mean, it was, I know, you know, the, uh, of course, the heavy talking point was, you know, game plan, play calling. But at the same time. That stuff doesn't matter if you don't make it. doesn't matter. Plays. Like, you could have the best play called, but if your offensive line can't protect, it doesn't matter. If your receivers drop passes, it doesn't matter. If your quarterback doesn't have is your best player and has been your best player, doesn't play a very good game, you can draw up the best damn plays you want. doesn't matter. Right. You know, you, you have – you get into this situation, you are the final four. You are the top of the line, the cream of the crop. You're not going to win games not playing good. Like, you're not going to out-scheme somebody and out-trick them in the national semifinals. Right. You have to make plays. You and and you know, do I have some things that I, you know, didn't didn't I, you know, I didn't love. I don't even know what it was, but I don't didn't love the offensive game plan. Um, but whatever the game plan was, the execution was poor. So it's hard to criticize the game plan too much when what we saw. You know, they couldn't, you know, execute that even to a decent level. Right. And, and Tony, it's, it's, it's in, it's all in the trenches, which is absolutely right. Oh, I mean, I've that's, got, a, I've got a, a big stat for Tony on that one. If it's what we've talked about many, many times, if, if you're going to play with Bama, if you're going to like, why was, especially for that first half last year of the Georgia game, why was it a game? Because Cincinnati held their own in the trenches. And then what did you see when James Hudson went out in the second half? Georgia's defensive line dominated. Like, if you don't have corresponding NFL talent to those teams across, and, and Cincinnati has an NFL talent on their defensive line. MyJ Sanders was a menace the entire game. Right. Like, every one of Alabama's defensive linemen, whenever they go out to the NFL draft, will get drafted. Yeah. 
here's, and here's probably one. all of their offensive linemen as well. Eventually. Oh yeah. Here, here's this one for you. So this season, we'll start last year, 2020. Okay. UC gave up 11 sacks in nine games. Mm-hmm. They gave up eight sacks against Georgia. Mm-hmm. This year, they gave up 20 sacks in 13 games and mm-hmm. six sacks against Alabama. So 14 sacks out of, what is that, 20, 39. So basically 50% of their sacks in the last wow. two years, 40%. 40% were given up against the two best teams they played. Yeah. I mean, that's it right there. And Alabama ran for three. Well, but I yards. mean, like, just talking about offense right now. Yeah, but I mean, on both sides, the the line of scrimmage, sure, is where that game was won. Bama dominated both sides. And, of the that, line I mean, of and that's like what's what we talked about in the preview. And I said some things on Twitter and got a lot of pushback on it because I wasn't just totally ripping the shit out of the offense. It wasn't that I was like forgiving the offense. My whole point was. Alabama is not a running team. They were 80th in the country in yards per carry. And they were 113th in the country in tackles for loss allowed. They were not a good running team. If you are going to let them run, like we talked about, nothing else mattered. You can talk about offense. You can talk about play calling. You can talk about execution. If you are going to let them get six yards of carry. They were going to do that all night long and just be like, you can't stop it. We'll throw when we have to. They still threw 30 times. 28. It's still, but it's still the lowest output of any game this year. So lowest passing total. 17 was the lowest completions. 28 was the lowest attempts and the yard, whatever the yards were, was the lowest yards of any game this year for them. Well, that's they, the were under, they were under 200 yards passing. Yeah, it was like one, I think, right, like 181. But that's the problem is they were five for 13 on third down. But I think four of those were on third and long when they completed passes. Third and long was brutal. And then one of the third downs they didn't get, they converted a, their one for one on fourth down. So, like, on the times that you did do well against the run, you gave up third and 16 over the middle to Jameson Williams. You gave up. Third and 10. You gave up third and 11. So, like, if you're going to let a poor running team run the ball, then, like, what else is there? Right. You know, you, I thought two things that jumped out at me from, and, and, you know, we hear all the, we get flooded. Go four down, go four down line. It's not about how many guys are on the line, it's about a numbers game. How many guys are in in a position to make a play within three yards of the line of scrimmage? And if you're only going to have five or six guys in there, the way they were playing with, they played six, they played the tight end a lot. You know, when you don't have John Mechie, you're you're not going to sit out there in the same type of wide open offense that you did in the other games. And their adjustment to that was more tight end run it and we did a really poor job tackling and i thought on run plays our edges did a poor job of containing the edge there were a lot of plays where they would try to kind of run it up the middle slash 
between the tackle and then Brian Robinson would bounce it outside and and have a lot of room over there. But the, the main issue run defense-wise was the tackling. I mean, tackling third, was terrible. Three, three and four-yard runs turned into seven and eight-yard runs. Well, there's nothing you can do when it's second and two. I mean – Yeah, and I thought – I mean, like if you go back to like some of the games where they had problems with, with stopping the run – you would see guys getting five, six yards before they were contacted. Like, I thought UC did a pretty good job getting a hit on Robinson early in the run. They just didn't – they just bounced right off of him more often than yeah, not. Yeah, it wasn't like they were getting totally just destroyed at the point of attack and there were these, like, six feet wide holes that he's just running through and nobody's there to touch him. Like, no, that, those happened a couple times. I mean, but, yeah. like – no, it was poor tackling. It was poor angles. It was poor reads. Just from a, a run standpoint, just you know, it was about as bad as as they've been. Out, you know, it just you know, honestly reminded you of the Tulsa game. And you know, well, I'm right. I, I though. that's the, what that's what Bama did. The tone was set on the first drive. Like I was surprised yeah. they threw it. That I was just I to figured, get into the end zone. What's that? That was just to get into the end zone. But I figured they would just run it until they got in. Yeah, <laughs> they could have. I mean, you run the ball, what, nine straight times, and then 10th play you throw, you know, and then on the on the one throw we had a – I don't know what the hell was going on there. Arquan Bush is on the sideline. We got several linebackers in trying to cover a slot receiver. The guy's wide open and just walks into the end zone. But – yeah, I mean, the defense held up from getting, like, totally blown out, but they kind of just did what they wanted to do and needed to do to win the game. Like, the defense at no point made Alabama adjust from their initial game plan. Yeah. They I mean, made, they it, what? They yeah, made it hard for – I mean, there were several drives. They went three and out, several drives they punted. But, like, it was not like UC did something. Alabama said, whoa, we were not ready for this. We need to we need to change this or we need to go to this formation to combat that. I mean, they literally just lined up and, and ran the ball and threw the ball when they needed to. Do you think there was a towel on Dev throwing short right or – I don't you know if there was just... a tell. I, I think that on early downs, they just – they played cover two, and they basically just said, we don't think you can move the ball on us on a sustained 8, 10, 12-play drive, what, what have you. We feel like our defensive line is good enough to s- slow your run down, and we just don't want to give him a chance to get going – and so on early downs, we're not going to like fake rush, but we're going to stay home, stay in basically our stay home because we have Will Anderson and the other three guys can kind of stay home and we'll let him go at it. And because if we rush up field too much and, and Ritter escapes and gets going, then, then that could be a problem. We're going to contain him on early downs, and then in true passing downs, we're going to go get him. 
mission accomplished. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't think, you know, maybe there was. I I've, have not rewatched the game and will not rewatch the game. But, you know, you would think maybe be, just because of the number of balls that got batted down. But I just, like, on those plays, I just remembered, like, the way they were batted down, it wasn't like guys were rushing in his face. Like, they were stationary. Yeah. So they to were me, waiting. To me, it came off as well. We just we're just going to watch him, and we know that with Will Anderson and our other matchups, it's not like he's going to have all day to sit back there. If we don't, you know, if everybody doesn't rush, he's still going to not have a ton of time. So let's just make sure he doesn't escape and start accumulating a bunch of running yards and stuff like that. I mean, that's what I thought. I could, the only know. reason I – here's one of the main reasons as I've looked back on this the past couple of days. Here's why I think that, that, that you might be right um, and also that, that I might be a little bit right. On first and second down, they typically had Will Anderson on the left tackle. Yeah. But when they really needed to go after Dez, like on passing downs. Well, yeah, like the two sacks at the end of the first half. He was on the right tackle. Yeah. And Dylan O'Quinn just had no answer for him. No, but I mean, that's not. That's not a referendum on Dylan O'Quinn. No. That's no. Will Anderson's the best player in college football. But it also goes to like what we talked about last week is how, the, how were they going to, you know, scheme against him? I mean, I thought they tried. They got the ball out on the edges some. They used the toss sweep. They used the, the See, couple I, little screen Yeah, passes. I don't. I, the I didn't, and that's the thing. It's like I didn't think they did it enough, and and that sounds counterintuitive to an app to like say we didn't get we didn't try to run wide on the fast SEC team enough, but like they weren't getting anything up the middle. I don't know. Jerome had five and a half yards to carry. Yeah, but it was. Like, would you have liked to have seen Jerome more? Oh, for sure. Yeah, because the passing game clearly, like, for if sure, you'd have leaned on Jerome maybe a little more heavy than maybe the passing game comes around a little bit. And it, and and, but I mean, it's it's a combination of him and Dez. I I really, I mean, I would love to know why the first semi-designed run was an RPO on the first play of the second half. Yeah, and that's why it's it's hard to sit here and go, you know. Well, maybe it's because of what you talked about. The D-line was just staying home waiting for him. On yeah, first and second down. I, I still – but I make – like, I stress the D-line. I make them make – like, I make them make a decision. Like, not like we're running the option or something, but, like, you know, you look back at the Georgia game, they had a play where they ran kind of an RPO slash option play that set up Jerome Ford's run. His long yeah. touchdown run. Like, we didn't – like, offensively, we did not stress them at all. And I'm not talking about trick plays. I'm just talking about being creative and and try – and, you know, empty the bag, man. It's the national semifinals. You're a two-touchdown underdog against the defending national champ. Like, who gives a shit? Like, you, you lose by 21 or you lose by 35. Who cares? Like, it's, it's kind of like the, you know, I know we talked about it. I don't know if we talked about it in the 
preview episode, but like the Lane Kiffin thing. Lane kept going for it on fourth down, kept like kept doing these things, knowing that that's the only chance we have to win. Yeah. We might get blown out because of it, and they did because they all went wrong. Like they didn't get the fourth downs. They did like, but that's that's your shot. You know, like we just I just didn't it didn't come across to me as a as a game plan designed to take advantage of the things that you could take advantage of. You know, like you're like, why did they didn't take any deep shots? Well, they didn't have any time to take any deep shots. But they also didn't, I mean, like, what what was the design in the passing offense for the game? Get the ball out wide. <laughs> and Alabama kept batting it down at the line of scrimmage. Right. So do you so you run can you run some screens? Can you run like tunnel screens? Can you run I mean like quick throw like even like not even like like straight across throws, like instant, like, you know, not even like a stop route type thing, but like a, just get it out as quick as you can get the ball to your playmakers. See what, like, see what they can do. Like get the ball to Trey Tucker on a, on a jet sweep or a reverse. Like I felt like we just lined up and was like, all right, here's what we do. And we're going to, and we're going to do it and see what happens. Yeah. But that's kind of fickles MO, right? Well, we're going to be us. It can be, but that's not beating Alabama. Because Georgia right. tried the same thing in the SC Championship game. <laughs> yeah. Georgia sometimes, said... Sometimes being you is not enough. No. Oh, for sure. And, I, and I'm not saying any of that stuff would have made a difference. I just would have... I just felt like what we saw, even if the execution was a lot better, the way they were playing, the, the playing a cover two... And, like, I just felt like we weren't going to put any drives together. You know, we got down into the red zone-ish inside the 10-yard line on the first drive. And, you know, I would have liked to have run the ball more there. Like, we had, we, you know, you had that long yeah, but- pass to Tyler Scott to set it up. They're kind of on their heels. Like, you had a wide open throw to Alec Pierce that gets knocked down at the line. You have a throw to Alec Pierce that goes through his hands. Right. Oh no, I'm not. I'm not disagree with that. Like, that's the stuff that happens. But I don't know. I'm. But you're disagreeing with it. <laughs> no, well, I, I disagreed with the slant play. I mean, you and I talked about that, and then I could just be me being, you know, hard headed. But like, I don't. Like your your bread and butter with him is to use his size. And yes, he was wide open and it if it was not batted down, it would have been a touchdown. I just like using his size and playmaking ability and getting him yeah, away. Yeah, but he, he doesn't traffic. have that size advantage against Alabama. Their their corners are in that six two, six three range. So yeah, I, I don't care. I'm still doing it. <laughs> I don't care. I, I want to play to a size advantage. He doesn't have a size advantage. I don't care. <laughs> um, well, I mean, the one guy is 6-1. Yeah, but I mean, like a lot of times when he was making those, you know, Superman catches, it's over guys 5'10", 5'11". Yeah, he's six inches up higher than them. <laughs> yeah. 
he was six inches up higher than them on the the slant pass that went right through his hands. Yeah. Just didn't bring it down. Trey Tucker didn't bring down the ball that goes right through his hands. No, and that was a great throw, too. Yeah. But like, that's his best throw of the day, other than maybe the Michael Young. I mean, throw. but like, you know, and it's just, a, it's all nitpicking and it's, you know, it's just stuff that fans do and that we're supposed to do. I mean, we're never going to get information on it or anything, but like, I mean, Lenny and Josh were nowhere to be found. That was frustrating. You got to find a way to get your tight ends involved. Like, yeah. I just, I didn't, I didn't get it. I feel you. Any, anything else you got notes on that you wanted to talk about on this here podcast? Oh, I don't know. Special teams. I mean, that Special was. Special teams was great. Puck coverage, you know, didn't allow negative punt, negative yards and punt return. 15 yards on the one kickoff. That was returned by Jamison Williams, who got smoked by Ty Van Fossen. Yep. Mason Fletcher had an outstanding game and really an out and a pretty outstanding season for, All a, fresh, for a freshman yeah. in a situation that we, you know, we we just we're just not sure. Replacing one of the best punters in school history. Right. I mean, we got so used to, and that's you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it with the coaching stuff, but like. We've gotten so used to, you know, outside of the issues with field goal kicking of like not even having to think about special teams. Right. Like we just know they're going to be good. Whether it's kickoff return, punt return, or both coverage units. Like we're just like, yeah, they'll be fine. And Mason was, was really good this year. So, I mean, you know, hats off to him. He was really good in the game. How about the because uh, that's kind the, that's the kind of the billionaire strut after the fifty four yarder and then yeah and then he after he got pulled down and yeah drew the unsportsmanlike penalty <laughs> but like in that type of a game that's that was my concern was the offense can't get anything going the defense plays well but what happens when he he hits a thirty seven yarder you know. And they're starting at the 40-yard line. It's just a kind of like a snowball thing. Like you can only – the dam can only be held up for so long. And that's kind of what we saw with the running game. Like, I mean, they were in it. Yeah. You, you don't recover that punt, muffed punt. It's the end of the half. You let them go whatever ended up being 90-something yards. And it's 17-3 to three at halftime where it, if you recover that punt – and it's 10 10 at halftime or, or 10 6. Yeah. And you get the ball. And you get the ball. And even going into the, the later parts of the game, it's 17 to, to 6. You intercept Bryce Young at like your own 47. And you go and backwards you go 16 17 yards backwards. Yeah. Like that's just, like that has nothing to do with like play calling or that's just not executing. That's just not being there in the moment. It's not getting your, you know, doing your assignment. And so it doesn't matter. Like Alabama's just going to be like, okay, yeah. I mean, these guys aren't going to move the bonus, whether it's because of us or whether they're just not playing well. 
they're not going to be able to sustain drives. And we're just not going to let them get any big plays. And we'll just, you know, choke the life out of this game. We mentioned Mason Fletcher. I think you also have to mention Tyler Scott and Trey Tucker. Oh, yeah. Who were as good as we've ever seen as gunners on punt team. And yeah. Alabama tried to make plays in the punt return game. They returned four punts. They only there was five punts. They only fair caught once, and they got eight yards. Yeah, so, somehow four Alabama fans were right behind me, like in the whole UC section. And every time they would they would punt and not fair catch, they would just go nuts. <laughs> They're like, "Why are we like? Why are we even trying to to do anything here? Like, just get the ball to to the offense and." Like, don't even mess around with this. Four returns, eight yards. That's that's outstanding against the team. And they tried. They brought the the kid that had been hurt. Yeah, JoJo um, Earl. Yeah, they they tried to bring him in there. To well, see I thought he was going to fumble two of them. Like he, yeah. the one he caught, he like was like a running catch to the side. And that was a that was a tough catch to make. Um, but yeah, you're just. You know what? It what is it? Uh, not oh, that's not, my, uh, that's minus eight yards. Yeah, Sorry. minus eight. Yeah, minus eight, not eight. That's my bad. Minus two yards. I guess they uh, they lost a couple on the muff because the muff went backwards. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. the 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 reality of it is, you played. You know, the best team, the best program in the country. Since the playoff has started, you didn't play well. That's what you're going to get. Yeah. Too true on that one. Too true on that one. Um, true or false, Ahmad Gardner leaves Cincinnati as the most dominant football player in the oh, history yeah. of the program. Yeah, for sure. Jamison Williams, if not the best wide receiver in the country, top two, top three. Yeah, oh, yeah, I would put him in the. I would put him in the top three. And on Sauce, he had two targets, one catch. The one catch, Sauce blew him up for a two-yard loss. Yeah. I mean, what do you have, seven for 60-something? 60 66, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he heard him with the reverse, and he killed him with that third, down. third and 16 catch. Yeah. Which was, I think, either – that was was that one against a zone, or was that – I think yeah. that one was against a zone. They went yeah, zone he, a lot got, on third he down. He got into the middle and kind of backpedaled, and no one kind of like stumbled backwards a little bit, backpedaled to get the first down, and no one was – just no one was there. Um, How do you have no one around Jamison Williams on third and 16? Uh, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> who, who knows? We'll never see anything like him again. Like, no. I'm, I'm confident in saying that. Like, in the history of UC football, we'll never see anything like that dude again. But doesn't give up a touchdown? In his career. Like, he didn't give up no one. He didn't give up 20 years. yards in a game all yeah. year. In a game. A whole game of football. He did not have one game where he gave up 20 yards receiving. Yeah. that's mm. It's banana land. I mean, we'll have we'll have plenty of time to to discuss, but but I don't yeah. think it's really even like a like it's not a hot take. It's not a. I think it's it's just fact. 
that he was the most dominant player to ever put on red and black. Oh, I mean, that's not what, yeah, I'm talking like draft, like. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any, I mean, to do what he did for an extended period of time. And then to go against that guy where everybody said, oh, well, he'll be exposed here. Jamison Williams is going to blow his doors off. And even Nick Saban went, we're good. <laughs> Plus, cause, cause, we're good. And, but that's the thing with, like, with Alabama. We're good because we don't have to. Yeah, we don't have to. That was my whole thing with, the, with like, the season that I didn't understand the just not even attempting is like, so what you're telling me is that yes, he's very good, but you have even less of a shot of beating the UC if you don't even attempt to get the ball to your best player. Right. Like he might shut him down. He might intercept three of your passes or whatever, but that was my whole point during the year is like, you don't want to, you don't want to throw the ball to one side of the field. All right. Like you're certainly not going to score any points or win if you if you don't even try. Alabama just has a lot of other good players. That they can say, "All right, we don't need to throw to him." Right. <laughs> we'll do this other thing. They didn't throw at Kobe either, really. No, I mean Kobe had a good game too. They got their touchdown pass to Jacory Brooks was on a Arquan Bush kind of a rub move. a rub route on out of the slot down the sideline. I mean, their first touchdown pass was a total bust of coverage, miscommunication, miss whatever to Slade Bolden, and then the tight end drag was – I mean, they didn't use the tight end in the passing game as much as I thought they would. They used him more in the running game. But then they had the tight end drag kind of a cry, and he just, you know, got caught up in the traffic, and they kind of lost him. Uh, Todd says, will Sauce be there when the Bengals pick in the first round? Absolutely not. PFF's right. They've got him as, as PFF, corner that, number five. I'll, if Sauce doesn't go in the first 15 picks, I will be – Absolutely stunned. Stunned. I'm with you, but I keep looking at these mocks, and he's down in the 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 twenties. Yeah, but Daniel Daniel Jeremiah has him as his number one corner. I know that's where I I I don't know how he's not the number one corner. He's tall. He's long. I mean, I I still think Derek Stingley is really, really, really good. Now he didn't play this year, so and he had a bad last year. Now the whole. Did he have a bad I, year? Or did the whole defense have a bad year? Like, was he or was he not CB one on the worst passing oh, on defense in the country? I know, but I think I don't think it's like this like automatic thing that he's like a top five. Like, I still see people having him as like a top five pick. I'm not so sure about that. Um, he's really really good, but like, I think him and Ahmad are a lot closer than like you don't have to have Ahmad number one, but. PFF having him number five is is fucking absurd. Yeah, I concur. I think that's um, but insanity. Yeah, but we'll get it. Well, plenty of stuff this year to talk about with the draft. So and you know, and I think that's you know we could talk about. I mean, are we are we have we exhausted the um, Cotton Bowl? conversation yeah i don't have really anything else to you no i mean it it kind of played out the way i thought um well i mean i predicted alabama would score 27 and alabama scored 27 yeah what about the other part of it 
I predicted Alabama would score 27, <laughs> and Alabama scored 27. I got yeah. I, you know, you predicted they'd score 37. Yep. <laughs> I also didn't predict they would lose. Fair. Fair. But if I would have told you Alabama scored 20, so you had Cincinnati, Cincinnati scoring in the 20s? 21. If I'd have told you Alabama scored 27, you definitely would have been, you definitely would have took it, right? Oh, I'd have been like that. This should be a pretty, you know, close game. But then if you told me Alabama scored 27 with Brian Robinson running for 200 yards, I'd have been like, nah, I don't, that, that means that they just boa constrictored our ass. Yeah, but there were still chances for the offense. I mean, oh, there, there were. Oh, I'm not. I'm not excusing that. I'm like, if, there were plenty of chances, but for him to get to that number meant that they were dominating time of possession. Yeah, because if it if we were converting on those chances, they wouldn't be running the ball that much. True, because they'd have had to go to pass. But if they go to pass a little bit more, there's a good chance Cincinnati. Is, has an even better chance to win the game. Right, but... Didn't happen. No. They, that, that's really like what it comes down to, Dave. Luke Fickle mentions complimentary football when he talked about it post, post game. When it came down, there was no game pressure put on Alabama. And that, right. that's a young Alabama team. A lot of guys that had never been on this stage before. If you put game pressure on them, there's no telling how they respond to that. That's why I said with our, our defense, yes, the pass defense was good. But we didn't stress them at all. Right. We did not force them to adapt to anything. That's also because the offense couldn't score a fucking touchdown. Right. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't. <laughs> like the offense didn't do it, and then the, also the defense didn't stop the run well enough for them to go. Oh well, we 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 can't just we can't just bully ball them. Right. Like, how excited am I to go to the senior bowl? Uh, probably not going. Because we didn't end up applying for credentials, and I don't know if that deadline is passed or what. <laughs> Try it tomorrow. So we'll see. I'll still I'll still cover it. Try tomorrow and see if you can get credentials. If right. not, we'll we'll DM Jim Nagy and say, "Hey, yeah." Now we got seven. There's seven Bearcats in the Senior Bowl. Yeah, I saw that. Jerome Ford's going now. Yeah. How does that work? I thought you had to be a senior. He is. He is. Is it, it's his fourth year in college, and he has a degree. Okay. okay. He graduated, so, I mean, he's technically a senior. He just was a senior with eligibility, so they don't, you know, yeah. they don't necessarily list him as, like, a exhausted eligibility senior, I guess. Well, yeah, I guess you can't really give out an invite until you know if the guy the player is available. Right. Um. So what is your... I guess what is your takeaway next? Like, where do we go from here type thing? I mean, you're obviously going to have going to have a lot of holes to fix, a lot of holes to plug in 2022. But I I still think this is going to be a team that competes for the American Athletic Conference Championship. I do too. Um, that might be. How much of that is 
us that the conference was dog shit this year. Right. Thinking that the conference is still going to be pretty. I think Houston will be really good. The conference will still be whatever. And we're, are we, I mean, I don't want to overvalue our own. Cause we, I mean, we have so many questions. Like I hope people realize like how legit, like everything fell into just the perfect place and how many questions there really are moving forward. I don't think there are as many as people think. Really? I really don't. I think they'll be okay on the defensive line. Can we get to the quarterback? Um, I think it'll be a different style of getting to the quarterback, but I think they can. I think it'll be more power than just Maijay's pure speed. But, yeah, but the power guy's gone too. In the middle, yes. Um, but I think we saw Jawan Briggs really come on. I'm interested to see if that's a possibility that you move him back inside. Um, but if, even if he's outside, we saw him break through and, and towards the end of the season, look good. Um, I think he'll still be okay at linebacker. You've got Ivan Pace in the fold. Now you've got Deshaun Pace. Um, Jaheim Thomas, I thought flashed when he had a chance. Uh, I know there's a chance for Wilson Huber to come back that I think would be very beneficial. The question defensively is clearly going to be the secondary. Oh, yeah. I, I think the front is going to be okay. What does the secondary look like? And how far is the drop? Right. I mean, that's, but that's the thing is like two years in a row, they've basically had the number one pass efficiency defense in the country. Right. So how far is the drop? They've led the nation in turnovers forced this year. I think you still have talent in the secondary. You do. They just never played. They've just never played. That's, that's, especially at corner, that is a scary proposition. Yeah, for sure. In this league, you know, the way teams want to attack you, and we've seen it, like, as UC's offense has gotten better, and they've gotten better wide receivers, they've, you know, they've done some of the same stuff to the teams that don't have very good defensive backfields. Yeah. I mean, uh, safety, I think, is a bigger concern than corner because I think there are, there's still a lot of talent in that corner room. I yeah, like I think there's guys there. a lot. They're, they're, it kind of reminds me of the def- our thoughts on the defensive line last year. No, the year the year before when Cortez and Coke yeah. left. Yeah, and Kamani left. Yeah, yeah. It's like we so thought they were. Into, we thought they were guys. We just had never seen them, so you you don't know what what you don't know yet. I mean, you're, you're still going to have Bush, who you would have to think probably moves outside. Um, I'm, but, I mean, maybe I'm, you keep him in the slot. I'm just starting because he's to been so good at it. Well, and I'm. I'm starting to wonder, like, his body. Yeah. I just don't know if he can keep up with the speed guys on the outside. But you He's... you have Jaquan Shepard, who I think yeah. is, is, is solid. You have Bumpfish. You have Anderson. You have Justin Harris coming back from a neck injury. And but... they'll get better when they're getting all of those main reps yeah. in spring yeah. and fall and game. I mean, 
it's hard to it's hard to like evaluate a corner in a blowout when they're coming off the bench cold in the fourth quarter and the other team right. still chucking it all over the place. Like that's it's hard to to gauge like whether how good a guy is or isn't. You got JQ Hardaway coming in, who's who's going to be here for spring ball, I believe. He's enrolling early, so he should be here this weekend with the early enrollees. Um, I, I think, but safety. I mean, Hicks. We don't know his decision yet. If he comes back, the other position is just. I mean, who the hell knows? Jack Dingle, Byron Threat, Brian Threats, Isaiah Cox, or Morion Smith. You got a couple freshmen coming in. I mean, there's a lot of names. Well, there's bodies, but but, but I mean, most of but, those names haven't even taken a lot of practice snaps. Right. I mean, we're going from five year super senior playing every snaps you know, for the last two and a half year DBs to dudes that have never played. Right. It could go fine. It could be a fucking disaster. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, And then offense, your whole offensive line is back. You've got Tyler Scott, Trey Tucker, Jaden Thompson. I I think Chris Scott can, can be in for in line for a breakout year. I think Will Pauling. Uh, could could be a guy that that you see emerge next year. Yeah. Um, see what happens with the tight ends. You see what happens with the tight ends with Lenny and and Josh. I I I would be surprised if one of them doesn't. If they both leave, I'd be a little surprised. But yeah, I mean, I think I think that's... it's possible. It's definitely possible that both leave. Um, it's just such a you know, and Jim Nagy talked about this when we had him on the show. It's a really deep, really talented tight end class. Right. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see at least one of them say, I'm going to wait a year and and see what I can do for my stock. Does, does um, the offense go back to looking like a little more of the Mike Warren year? Do you have a Mike Warren? I just mean from like a running control standpoint. Who's the quarterback? Not, not one guy getting 30 carries a game, but who who's the quarterback? Well, that's what I mean. <laughs> Look, they're, they're, we've talked about this for months. I, I'm confident they're gonna bring in a veteran quarterback to check to, to compete with Evan Prater. If Prater's the quarterback, yeah, it's probably a little bit more run-oriented, right? Which, let me just say this: like that's that not a terrible thing. That isn't necessarily an indictment on Evan. No, it's a numbers game in the like, quarterback room. If so, say say they don't bring a quarterback in, and Evans the starter, and he gets hurt in the second game, the season is over, man. Like right. you can like these guys all you want, like you're just throwing dudes in there at that point that are as green as green gets. Like good luck, right? Because our expectations as fans. While you understand that you're replacing the talent and the depth and the 30 seniors and the super seniors, our expectation, and I'm assuming Coach Fickle, whoever's on the staff, their expectation is not going to be, oh, well, you know, we had that good two-year run. All these guys are gone. 
if we go four and eight, whatever. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. No big deal. No, the expectation is, yes, we realize it might not look like it did the last two years, and it might not result in a college football playoff, but come November, we still want to be in position to win the conference. Right. And that's not, like, that's why you bring in, it's just insurance. It's numbers. Like, you can't be one injury away from a three-win season when you've, when you're coming off of a college football playoff berth. You can't, look, this is not an indictment on either of these three, any of these three kids, right? You can't go into a season and have your quarterback room be Evan Prater, Brady Lichtenberg, Luther Richardson. You can't have it be that if you're wanting to win the league championship. Right. If you're re- if you're hitting the reset button, right? If yeah, if you're totally rebuilding and you're and everybody knows this is a total reset year, which it can't be because of the COVID returnees and the other players that are still coming back. Then 2018, one- 2017 was a total reset year. Your quarterback room, essentially, you had Hayden Moore, but it was uh, Dez, Hayden Moore, and Ben Bryant. Yeah. And that was basically it because Ross Trail had left. You have to have more in that quarterback room than a redshirt sophomore, a redshirt freshman, and a true freshman that have combined taken, what, 20 snaps? Yeah, I mean, how many throws did Evan really make this year? Yeah. The last Four, game five? Played, was the last game he played Temple? I think so. He, did he play against UCF? He might have got a couple snaps late because the guy did get out of hand. So that was October 16th? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I just think that's bad. That's bad roster management if, if that's what you're going into next year Right. In your quarterback room. I agree. I mean, it even looks a little different, like even if Ben Bryant left and Michael Lindauer is still here. And that's a right. guy that's in year four in the system. And granted, he doesn't have a lot of, of game repetition yet, but that's a guy that's been through, you know, three years of higher ground and practice every day. And like, you should know at that point in time, whether Michael Lindauer is going to be able to help you or not. But yeah, like if, I, I if, just, if, you know, the nuclear option happens, can this guy go in and function as a starting quarterback? Right. So, I mean, it makes sense to add a veteran quarterback. I, I think it makes sense still with Jerome gone to add a running back in the transfer portal. Yeah. It makes sense to add a, a boundary wide receiver to replace yeah, Alex Pierce. Thing. It makes sense to make your roster better. Yes. I don't really give a shit what position it's at. And and here's something else people need to realize. <laughs> like. Okay, I'll wait. What? Go ahead. Like, the transfer portal, good, bad, ugly, great. Like, it's a, it's a thing now. It's not going away. These kids. And it shouldn't go away. It should have been here a long time ago, in my opinion. Like, your job is to make your roster as good as you can make it. Yep. 
if somebody already on the roster doesn't like that, they're free to go someplace that it, you know, they they see more benefit to that to them. Like that's just part of the deal. Like, you know, you can say like we're good at this position and we're good at that. Like, I don't really care. Like, get the best players you can get. If, yep. if the guys on the team don't like the competition that you've built this program on, that you've that that's what your identity is. Tough and nasty, Clifton style. If someone on the roster doesn't like that you brought somebody in at their position, they might not have been the guy that you thought they were, and they can go somewhere else, and that's totally fine Screwed too. Out. Yeah, I think if you find you can if you can find a tackle. What I was going to say is though, before I get to that, before I continue on that path, I think there is also this misconception that like the transfer portal closes at signing day in February. You know when a ton of kids also hit the transfer portal? As soon as school starts in the fall. Well, also, no, because they're not really going to help. Well, the summer. As soon as spring ball ends. Mm -hmm. Because guys see, okay, maybe I'm not where I'm at on the depth chart, or I was promised a starting spot, and I'm in a competition with this guy, and I didn't like how spring ball went. Like, you have to remember – there's a very good case made for not shooting all your bullets right now. And by right now, I mean over the next week, week and a half, because the kids that you're going to get early are going to be kids that are going to be able to enroll. And well, I don't remember the be able to participate in the spring. I don't remember the specific guys, but there were in the summer last year, there were guys that were like notable players that would pop up and people yep. would come on the board and be like, what about him? And we'd be like, we don't have any spots. Right. And then two days later, somebody else, what about him? And we're like, Jesus Christ, we don't have any spots. Like it so happened, now you're it in a position like to have spots. Once a, right. once a week. Now you're in a position to, to maybe hang on to three, four spots, five spots that you can use in the spring and that you can use in the summer to better your roster uh, to where you're not maxed out. Well, that's the thing. Would you rather sign a high school kid in February that is probably going to be in the back end of your class? Right. Or would you rather hold those spots and see what generates in the transfer portal? Well, and it's been interesting because, Dave, if you look, man, the first signing period changed everything because if you don't sign in the first signing period, there's usually issues anymore. Like what, you know, if you go back to like when that first started, which I believe was the Tavian Thomas, Leonard Taylor. Yeah. You know, that 2018 class, that was the first year and people were still figuring it out. The numbers that sign early now are astronomical. Yeah, it's like 80% of the top, whatever, 247 or... Yeah. If you don't sign in the uh, in December, you're basically not committed to the team that you were committed to. Right. They're, they are recruiting over you. Yep. Unless you are, you know... Five-star. Five-star. You know. And then, then they're not. But anybody that you see has committed, but doesn't sign, 
I would be stunned. And then, and we could go. I don't even know if we could go back and look because I don't even know if there's been anybody besides Danny Lewis in this class. Like, I will be. There's floored. been a couple, but there were issues like Savion Herring. We knew he was going to have to go to JUCO. I would be floored if the, if Danny Lewis signed with UC in February. Yeah, I mean with Denbrock at LSU, that's. But I just mean just in general, like <sighs> right. Like Luke, if you did, if you've been committed to Luke's program for however many months, or even maybe uh, you know maybe you committed in November and then you don't sign, he's not like he's he's forgotten about you. Yeah, well they've moved on. That's what I mean. Like he's forgotten. And they tell the they've, that. Moved, they've moved on. Like that you're you're no one to him at this this point. And they let the kids know that. Like if you if you don't come here when you say you're going to come here. We're going to find somebody else, like at your spot, because we're not going to go into, you know, we recruited you as a need. Yeah, they're not going to get caught with their pants down. Right, we're not, not just come February slide away. So, um, offensive line. If there's a tackle that pops up, yeah, yeah, like a tackle yeah. with experience. Because there's still it's it's a numbers thing there too. Yeah, it's not that. The tackles they have, they don't feel good about. It's that there's not enough of them. Right. Um, defense, I think they're okay for the most part unless they can find an edge rusher on the defensive line. And guess what? There's a ton of those out there. Yeah. <laughs> there's none of them out there. And if they are out there, Alabama and Georgia are calling. Well, I mean, like, like the, the number one kid in the transfer portal is an edge rusher from Albany. Yeah. Now, he had 15 and a half sacks in 13 games. Um, but that's what I mean. Like, he's <laughs> right. the best one. Right. There's just, there's, there's not, they're not out there. You yeah. and I, every day, text about relevant guys that enter in the transfer portal. How many times have you sent me a 6'4, 250 pound Russian? Uh, once. Yeah. So, and that was more of an inside guy, even I think. Like as you looked at the kid, or a, you know, a, a, a three tech. I mean, if you if you're if you're impactful defensive end, you're either on your team and really good, and you're not transferring, or you're going to the NFL. Or you're going to the NFL. I mean, with Ivan Pace, they don't really need an addition at linebacker, um, and in the defensive backfield, like. As 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 is the case with defensive ends, if you're a shutdown boundary corner, you're staying with your team, or you're going to the NFL. I would think they would be more. I would think they would be more interested in a safety than a, even with they the, are. I mean, they're look they're looking. They're you know they're definitely. I, from what I know, they definitely are in the market for one of those, but. I think they like what they have in those young safeties. You just don't have anybody that's played. (laughs) Makes it tough. Makes it tough for sure. Uh, Mike Denbrock gone. I don't think that's a huge surprise. I I, I think it was, it was getting to the point in the, in the, in the progression of this program is Gino going to be your offensive coordinator or is Gino going to leave? 
Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, and, and that's not a referendum on Mike. That's not a, it's just, it is what it is. Like Gino was going to be the offensive coordinator at Central Michigan five years ago. Five years ago. Yeah. And then he came here. Like if it's going to happen, now's the time for it to happen. I'll be I'll be shocked if it's not Gino Gadoli that's, that's yeah the I mean, that would be that would be pretty pretty stunning. Do me. I think Luke Fickle will do his due diligence and and make sure that he's hiring the right guy? Absolutely. Well, sure. It's it goes back to like when we talk about coaches and why won't the coach just come up on the press conference and say. I love school X and I'm never leaving. It's because well, what happens if the next day something is presented to him that he had no idea about? It's kind of the same thing here. Like, do we think it'll be Gino? Yes. We'd be pretty surprised slash stunned if it's not. Yes. But what is someone that Luke's known 20 years that he never would have thought to even ask calls him and right. says, Hey, you know, I, you guys are moving to the Big 12. You got it, you got this thing rolling. I'd love to come work with you. We've never gotten to work together. We worked together a long time ago, and we had we had such a close connection. Let's work together. Like, you just don't know. So you can't at just this say. Point, it's, at this point, like, I was a GA at Ohio State in 2006, and now I've got this, you know, extensive resume, like whatever right. the case may be. You just don't. You can't. You just don't know to say, like, oh, it's not possible. Like, this is 100% slam dunk going to happen. I'd still be stunned if it didn't. Right. But, but I'd be stunned if it didn't because that meant they hired someone like really, really good. Right. Or someone that Luke has known a long, long time that he has a ton of trust in. And we all trust him. So, you know. I'd be know, surprised if it's not Gino. I know everybody's in their feels about hiring former UC football players as coaches, but. I'd be surprised if it's not Gino. Me too. Tight end, I think, could be anyone. Oh, no idea. I mean, anyone. I mean, you could have won a million dollars if you'd have hit the the parlay of Mike Brown and Darren Page. Right. Exactly. When those jobs came open. Yeah. Yeah. If you could have pegged, you know, where did Mike? Where was Mike Brown before he came here? I think it was at Liberty, right? That's he where he pl played. He played at Liberty. Was that he was he at was... Liberty as an assistant. Okay. So, yeah. And then Darren was at Eastern Michigan. Uh -huh. So, like, I mean, like, yeah. If, if when those jobs open, you're like, oh, yeah, we're going to hire the Liberty wide receiver coach and the Eastern Michigan running back coach. I've been like, okay, sure. Now, Eastern Michigan does have a tight end coach that's pretty good that has ties. We do. To Luke Fickle. That would mean he has ties to Darren Page, I believe. I don't think this was his first year there. No, I don't think so. So that could be one to watch. Could be. Um, special teams, man. Losing Mace hurts. Oh, big time. That guy was masterful. Now, the, the field goal kicking was a problem, but I, I don't. I'm not sure it, that's coaching. Like, how much coaching are you really giving a kid? Uh, you know, I think in college, your field goal kicking coaching is coming. Can They can obviously help you. They know enough. But, like, that's coming in the summer. 
that's coming with your kicking. Well, and how much can you do if you've got a guy that's making four out of every five in practice and you get in a game and he can't put the ball through the uprights? Well, and also it's you've, you're dealing with the most players of any coach on the team. So you're also dealing with all your coverage units and your and everything right. else. Um, but UC's punt return units were very good. I mean, how many times, not only did they get a block, but how many times did Ryan Montgomery have an opportunity to get upfield for right. 10, 12, 14 yards? Like maybe it wasn't a, a touchdown, but you know, if you get your offense an extra first down, an extra first down and a half on a punt return, you know, th- that's spectacular. As we talked about, their punt coverage teams were otherworldly. Their yeah. kickoff teams, both return and coverage, were outstanding. Their punter was outstanding. Like in every phase, Brian Mason ran a tip top operation as a special teams coach. Yeah. So that one's going to hurt. For sure. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys out there now that like the analytics of having a strong special teams has become more and more prevalent. You, You can really tell. Who gives a shit and who doesn't? Yeah. It's, and you know, it's pretty obvious when you play a team that doesn't, that does not, you know, give it the same amount of time that you give it. Right. You see, gave it a lot of time. Todd asked, do they have the money now to spend like Big 12 teams? Are they in the Big 12? No, because they don't have that money yet. (laughs) Now, they're potentially. Will be more money um, if you promote Gino to offensive coordinator because I don't think you're giving him all of Denbrock's salary yet. I think you're giving I mean, him a nice Denbrock raise. Was the highest paid assistant coach at like four hundred and seventy five thousand? Yeah. So think so. Like people wonder why coaches leave. He's 1. getting paid one point four million dollars. Man, like tripled his money. All guaranteed. Like, yeah, multi-year contract, guaranteed, three years, right, is what I saw? Yeah. Three years, 1.4, so what, $10 million, or uh, not $10 million, one, two, three, four, four point two, four point two or whatever million dollars guaranteed for a guy that's been making, you know, $300,000, $400,000 in his career. Now, all of a sudden, over the next three years, he gets $4.2 million. That changes your fucking life, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, and and then some. Like, I mean, just think, just put it on like our terms. If you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year, and someone offered you four hundred thousand dollars a year, I, personally, I wouldn't care if the job was to shovel shit for twelve hours a day, nonstop. I hope. Where's my shovel in my pile of shit? (laughs) Like you're going to give me four times, like not four. It's not like you're making, you know, two dollars an hour. Now you're making eight dollars an hour. Like you're making so much more money. Yeah. So yeah, and And these coaches. And that's the thing too is like these coaches live these nomad lives. They. If you stay like if you're Denbrock and you're able to stay at a place for for five years, that's like that's insane for an assistant coach. Yeah, he got to raise his kid, who's who's not young, but like no. 
But you live, these, young. you live these nomad lives. You never know. Like you're one bad season away from being the fall guy, even if it wasn't your fault. Like, right. and that's not just him. I mean, like any assistant coach, you have a bad season, and it's like, oh, let's fire the offensive line coach because you know we couldn't run the ball, even though I gave him no. We have no good players, and our running backs stink. Right, and you know. <laughs> So it's like you're one bad season away from getting run out of town. And I don't blame any of these guys for being like, you're going to double, triple, quadruple my salary. I need to protect what's my, I need to protect me and my family. Yeah. And I'm sure Mace got a pretty healthy raise. Yeah. He was probably the, I mean, either the lowest or second lowest paid coach on the staff. If I had to well, guess. I don't know about that. I, I would guess he was probably, I would guess he was above. I mean, we can look Brown it up, but I'm above, too lazy yeah, to do it. He, he was making in the hundreds. I'll just yeah. t- I'll say that. Yeah. And he ain't making in the hundreds no more. No. And he's got a young baby. Like, go get your money, Mace. They're from go Indiana, like. Yeah. And he's Great a young guy too. Guy. Like that's the other thing. Is like. He's 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 got like eight degrees. He did young, not get those for free. Well, he's young as could be, too. Like same thing as like Marcus. Like, so you go to here for a couple years. And then you go, so like, it's not like you're right. at the end of your career. Like, right. you're already at Notre Dame at this point in your career. Like, that's not saying that's as good as it's going to get, but like, you don't Pretty get damn that, good. You're not going to get that opportunity like many, play, many other top level jobs. Like, you'd be an absolute moron not to jump on that. Um, I think there are a couple others. That are getting interest, which is, again, not a surprise. Uh, One that has been talked about is Mike Brown. Um, The sense I get is he is definitely a name that Virginia Tech has interest in. I have not gotten a feel that, like, he's their guy, right? Like, that they've, like, with with Mason Denbrock, we knew. That they're, like, in contract negotiations. Yeah, like, it's, it's pretty far down the road. Um, the thing that would worry me with Mike Brown is he's from Virginia. He's got a young family. Um, I believe his wife is from that area. So she could be wanting to get back closer to home. Like these are all the things you have to kind of take into consideration. Um, and the thing too, to look at in some of these situations, new head coach. Yeah. So you're, so you've got some, they're going to get some, leeway to build this their yeah. their programs up this isn't like although know, anymore man like there's no but you'll get like we'll use virginia, we'll use virginia tech for an example a lot of people thought wit was gonna fire fuente last year and he didn't right he's gonna give his guy he hired he's him. gonna give brent pry time right like you know they're not unless it's just an abject disaster right from the jump like they're gonna get time. Um, I can't get into what else I've heard yet, but there's still there's a couple other names that I'm tracking that you know I know just are being kicked around, and like I said, probably in the stage of like there are other schools that are kicking the tires. Not necessarily that 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 person is like the person of interest, or right? They're having conversations. They're having interviews. Yeah. They're I mean, and it works both ways. Like, just because someone is talking to another school, they're trying to find out information 
on if they think it's the right move for them too. Right. But I mean, um, it's, we'll continue it's to not, monitor that. Like I've been on the phone all the, week. I know we ha- we do, you know we have a segment that gets worried that you know, everybody's going to leave, and it's it's Is not Luke still here. It's what we've it's what we still here. That, like, that, that's the question. Like okay, so that I'm good. Just better. Just better pray that guy in Columbus is using the Bears as a leverage play. I don't know. I don't know that Ohio State instantly, like Luke Fickle's, atop their list. I don't know that that's a slam dunk. Are you you joking? No, I'm not. Okay. From talking to people up there, I don't know that it's just an automatic, like if Ryan Day left, they just hire Luke Fickle. I would just rather Ryan Day use the Bears as a leverage play to sign a long term contract than try to find out. Sure. I'd rather <laughs> I'd rather Ryan Day leave, Luke Fickle stays, and I gain another like 200 members during the coaching search. <laughs> yes, that, that, would also, that would also be, be good. But Coaching searches are good for business, and I've learned coaching searches where your coaches stay are awesome because you don't have to you don't have to change everything. You get I the want to a coaching search. Uh, pers- I'm looking for more of those. Right. Personally, <laughs> I don't want him to leave because like five guys I had on my hot board when the Notre Dame thing was was possibly happening have all taken They've other jobs. jobs yeah. <laughs> so so I don't <laughs> I'm not sure what that would, we're gonna, would mean. We're gonna need another year or two for that old hot board to refuel. Like it, it, it's 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 at the it's at, it's a Tesla that's plugged a, in right now. It's a if he were to something goofy was to happen, he were to leave, we'd have a lukewarm board because <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure anybody would be too thrilled about the options. A lukewarm board. <laughs> that might be the funniest thing you've ever said on this podcast, Dave. <laughs> My cheeks hurt from that one. Oh, that's outstanding. But, I mean, it's perfect, of course, man. I mean, you have the years that they've had two years that they've had in the conference that they're still in other people know the the budget restrictions they played with georgia they played with bama these assistant coaches are going to get money thrown at them because the boosters at these schools are going to go oh you want the use you're trying to get the uc coach oh yeah yeah we'll we'll help you out there right like they want what we've got i mean you know, I, you and I talked about it, and I use Saban as an example. He rebuilds his staff a little bit differently every year, but I mean, like, his his Rolodex is quite a bit different than Luke's, but it's still the same. Like, everybody wants a piece of that Alabama magic, right? He just pulls from you know, ex NFL like coach, head coaches or your offensive <laughs> line coach. Like, it's just a little bit different tree that he's pulling from. <laughs> but, the, but the concept is the same. Like, right? These schools that are on hard times are like, we can go get UC's guys, and we can, you know, maybe we can get a little bit of that magic. And so far, outside of Trestle, Luke has has favored more the young, hungry, up and coming guy. Oh well, yeah, Hitchler, Brown, Page, um, Scruggs, even. You know, like when he made his his first staff was was experienced, very veteran. As a, with, as a uh, first time head coach, I you know I don't I think that was smart. yeah he, Willie Martinez and Tenuta and 
uh, Joker Phillips and uh, and Crook and Denbrock and outside of Freeman. Yeah, like that was a really old D- staff. Doug, Doug Phillips, Doug Phillips, who had, who wasn't as big and like what didn't have the resume the other guys had, but it was an older guy that had been around a long time. Right. Um, he's gone more young and hungry. And the, the other boys. thing too is like, and we've had so much turnover at some. You know, you're just gonna have it, but like, I don't really come. I don't really think of a position where we were like, oh man, that outside of like once the initial staff cycled through, yeah, where we're like, oh, he missed on that one. Like that was just a that was a bad hire. Like he's pretty much you they've know, been strong. They've like been strong. minimum, minimum strong. I do wonder though, like he also seems to be like very deliberate with these things. I wonder if he'll if he has to show a little bit more urgency depending on how many guys that end up leaving. Yeah. Cause like, I remember, I remember when he hired page, he kind of came out of the blue to us later in the process. And we were like, I was at least thinking like, this has taken like a little longer than I thought hiring a running backs coach would take. Yeah, but I think that for whatever reason, they they had a bunch of candidates for that. And I think when Paige knocked, like, usually, like, you line them up in, in order and you want the, the guy you're probably going to hire to go last. I think Paige went a little earlier in the process and blew their socks off. And I think it kind of, like, made them stunted the process, right? Like, reset hold on a second. We got to make sure that that we hire the right guy because after that interview, we think this might be the right guy. You know what I mean? But Brown took a while. Now, if Brown leaves, I think, I think the move's pretty obvious, right? Well, if it's not, then he's not going to be a wide receiver coach here. Yeah. I mean, he he's been here some- a couple of years. He needs to go somewhere else. And he's he- been a wide receiver coach at Hampton. He's been right. here a couple of years. He's been a couple of years at Notre Dame. Like if Armand Benz is ready, now's the time. Well, and if he's and if he's not, like, why do you even have him on staff? Yeah, then he needs to go somewhere else and get experience and come back if that's you know the long term plan. Yeah. So that that's the answer to the Mike Brown thing. Gino, a quarterback coach, offensive coordinator, and Armand Benz, a wide receiver coach. Oh, this! How happy would this fan base be? Uh, how about how about the part of this the fan only, base that all of a sudden the only thing that would make them happier is if Kerry Combs came back, special teams coach. Can, can you hire Braden Combs as special teams coach and get the same? He was the, the first team. person that came to my mind. Can you hire now, a guy with insubordination on his resume? Is insubordination against Matt Patricia really a bad thing? <laughs> I mean, who who do you no, think? No, your was making... thoughts suck. Like I'm doing my like. No, no who do you think no. was making the right call? The guy that, that Darren Simmons says is like one of the best up and coming special teams coaches in the league or Matt Patricia. <laughs> but he also isn't doing anything this year. So I don't know what happened with that, all of that. Well, I mean, he got fired for insubordination. So well, yeah, but I mean, him. you know how co- coaching is. They don't care. Well, they give you a year off and then yeah. you go rehab yourself somewhere, which rehabbing himself as a special teams coach in Cincinnati would be an interesting 
Yeah. Interesting development. But I, I definitely that... thought about him right away. Aaron says insubordination against Patricia being a bad thing was a funnier comment than Luke Warmboard. I don't know. <laughs> the, like, what I was going to say to that is, Dave, you're having a hell of a podcast today. Hey, I'm, I, I'm trying to bring it, man. It's a new year, <laughs> new, new year, new me. <laughs> new year, same you. Just really funny. Uh, <laughs> great one-liners in this podcast. Um, so I guess that's like that's where we're at right now. How big is recruiting uh, for a special teams coach? It's always big. Like, I think you you're have not your adding some. You're not adding someone that can't recruit at this point. No, and I think you. I think that gets amplified going into the Big Twelve. I always think there's some staffs that you have that it's okay to have a couple guys that are like your true ball coaches, and. Like a John Tenuta. Like, John Tenuta wasn't fucking recruiting. Right. Um, but as you move up and you you know that your, your opponent talent level is going to go up, you can't have more than one or two of those guys. Now, they don't want – they can't all be, you know, ace, amazing recruiters. But they also can't be able to recruit. They also and, and can't like, be Dan Mullins well, who don't have any interest in in doing it. Tight ends coach, special teams coordinator, like you got to recruit. Oh yeah, you got to recruit. Those are not like where the old ball coach is positioned. No, Dan like, like Dan, Dan Mullen is like the the X's and O's guy and didn't care about recruiting, and he's right. the head coach of a top five program. Right. I'm just like I'm saying in those hires, those have to be spots that can recruit. Yeah. Like absolutely. Like a running back coach, wide receiver coach, tight end, special teams. You know, maybe you can get away with a linebacker coach that's an X and O's guy that doubles as your defensive coordinator, or you know, but like a quarterback coach has to be a great recruiter. Um yeah, I mean you have to recruit the quarterback position harder than any position on your team. Corners and wide receivers has to be a great recruiter because you got to be able to identify the guys that can play in your system. And you need a lot of them. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's got to be something that's that's critical for a special teams coach. Absolutely. What? Uh, you got anything else on football? I don't. I don't know. Ivan um, Pace. What are your thoughts on adding Ivan Pace? My main thought is just that you have a linebacker group that we. Outside of Deshaun, and if Wilson Huber comes back, we like, but we don't know anything about. And I just think it's a, it's a good move from the standpoint of adding a guy that has played a lot. Um, so, like, I don't know what that means from a – is he a starter? Is he a rotational guy? I don't know. There's plenty of time for that to get – figured out but when you're replacing so many snaps at linebacker i prefer to replace them with someone that's played and has played well like it's not he's not just some dude like right he's the first he's a third team all-american first team all-mac second had over 100 tackles this year first you know second leading tackler in the conference 
and his his pass rushing uh, prowess has <laughs> been wildly exaggerated thanks yes. to his six six set game in uh, twenty nineteen. Yeah, but he can still do it. I just think you know, he's not like this three four. TJ Watt crazy like he's gonna get to the quarterback <laughs> all the time type guy. Right. But but here's what I would say to the people that are worried about his height, right? It means nothing. Man. But look, just let me can I finish, Dave? No. You're, you're getting like Aaron. You just like to stop me before I can finish. <laughs> uh Perry Young is pretty good. Wasn't he? He was. Jerrell White was pretty good. I think I think he yeah. made some plays. I think Greg Blair was pretty good. Jeff Luke was pretty good. Like they've had guys in that height. Where like I know they they prefer guys that are six four and two hundred and sixty five pounds because everybody prefers guys that are six four and two hundred fifty five pounds. But in college football, I think pace can help you. Well, and I think that's the other thing is like we all you know, fall victim to the projections. Like sometimes you're just a really damn good college football player and that's as good as you're going to be. Yeah. And we don't. And that's okay. Yeah, exactly. Because this is college football. Right. Like we, it's not necessarily like, well, this, how's this guy going to translate to the next level? Like who gives a shit? It doesn't matter. Maybe he doesn't go to the next level because he's only six foot. Just like Perry hasn't gone to the next level. Just like Jarrell hasn't gone to the next level. Like, but they would you say that you didn't want them because they were 5'8 and 5'9 or whatever? I think those guys could play. So yeah. I think this guy has a chance to prove he can play. I agree. Um. I don't have more, and much more on football. That was an no, hour and forty minutes. An hour and forty minutes on football. That I um, I as a draft dork cannot wait for this for the spring and summer for the for the build up to the draft. Like I don't know if people fully grasp how much attention UC is going to get from now until April. And it's how be a lot. And how how much that does for recruiting. Yeah. Like, as soon as the NFL season is over in February, the, sc- the scouting combine happens. Yeah. And ESPN and the NFL Network dedicate so much time to the combine. UC will have a ton of guys there. UC is going to have, what is it now, seven guys at the Senior Bowl. There will be daily segments about Desmond Ritter, about UC players. Then you go to the whole workup to the draft. Just shows and segments dedicated every single day to the draft and specifically like to the quarterbacks. Desmond Ritter will be talked about almost every single day on ESPN and the NFL Network for yep. a month straight. Like sauce, is, sauce has oh, become yeah. a household name for sure. But did um, you see know, his his draft declaration had like thirty thousand likes? Yeah. Like oh, you should read the mentions of 
like the PFF tweet about him being CB5. Yeah. It's it's fans of every team being like, I hope he's there when the Ravens pick. I hope he's there when the Eagles pick. It's like, but that, like, can you win a title? Might not, I mean, it's up there, but like proximity to where I'm from and can you get me to the league are the two biggest things in recruiting. Yep. And that was the last piece that UC has been missing was the, yes, they had guys drafted, but like it's a little bit different to make a graphic with Derek Forrest getting drafted in the fifth round and James Wiggins getting drafted in the sixth round versus a graphic of Des Ritter, Sauce Gardner, and Myjay Sanders being three of the first 64 guys picked. Yeah, it's a little bit sure. different when you can when the recruiting department can literally every single day cut something from the NFL Network or ESPN and put it on Twitter about their guy and being drafted in the first round. Yep. Like, it is the final frontier of UC recruiting is putting seven to ten guys in one draft and going, here, look at this. Like, yeah. All in the those, year that you went 13-0 and and played right. the playoff. Yeah. Like, yeah. we can do this again with you. You know, recruit, whatever. Yeah. Like, I'm, it's just going to be like, there's going to be so much. It's going to be awesome. Is Kobe one of the first 10 corners drafted? I think that's going to be... I would say no. Very reliant on his 40 time, Dave. If he busts <laughs> out a 4-3, like a legit... Or a legit like four four one or you know. I still think that would be hard because if you're the a top ten corner taken, he won like, the Thorpe Award. Okay, I don't think NFL teams really give a shit about that. It recognizes you for being good, but like if you're a top ten corner drafted, you're probably going in like the first seventy five picks. I'm not sure I quite see that high of a ceiling for him in the draft i, I i'm not saying i do i'm saying like, i know i know that there's Derek force didn't but, have a lot of a lot of people praising him going into that draft and then he busted out a 442 well, and he went in the fifth round yeah but kobe won the thorpe award i get it but that but what i'm saying is corner is different there's five guys that are going in the first round that i could name you right now corner is different so if there's five guys for, going in the first round and he's projected as a late second, it early also, third. It also is very, very team specific. Like, are they a zone team? Or are they a pre- like? Well, Kobe's going to be a field corner, right? You're and, not drafting him to play the boundary, right? And it just depends That's on where what that hurt him. team is specifically looking for. You know, do we want a man field corner that is this height, runs this speed? Right. Um, I think Myjay will be a second round pick. Yeah, I think, I think so too. I think it's I think that's his sweet spot. I think I just, you're right. His production he just didn't like, have the counting stats. Right. And you know, and I'm not sure that that should be an end all be all, but I think from like a defensive end standpoint, if you're going to use a first round pick on a defensive end, you need to know that like 
this guy's going to get to the quarterback. Like, right. Kayvon Thibodeau, Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, Not David, just that he's going to get the quarterback off his spot, but he's going right. to get him to the ground. Like Ajabo from Michigan, who's kind of a defensive yeah. end slash outside linebacker. Now, I mean, if he has a great senior bowl, if he has a great combine, if he has a great interview, could he? Sure. I mean, Peyton Turner, it only takes one team. Like, I, nobody thought Peyton Turner from Houston last year was going to go in the first round, and the Saints took him. Yep. Like, I think it was probably a bad pick, but. But it happened. But it happened, and you only need one team. So could he? Sure. I just think his his sweet spot's the second round. I think you're probably right. I think I would agree with that. We're at the point where it, I, I don't. We're not even. I don't have time for basketball tonight. Do you, Do you want to talk basketball? Do you have anything okay. basketball you want to say? No, not really. Play better. <laughs> I didn't watch any of the two lane game because I was. Coming driving back in, hell right in a monsoon, and that I think was better than watching the two lane game. Thoughts on uh, are you uh, here's what I want to know. Here's my biggest question of the podcast Will you make it to tip off tomorrow night? Oh, oh, be awake, yeah. Uh, 9 30. I mean, that's pushing it, yeah. I'll be awake. Will no, you make it to halftime? No, absolutely not. So, you'll see the ball get tipped. What media stop will you be asleep by? Well, under it, kind eight? Of de- it kind of depends. Is the game entertaining? Like, if it's entertaining, I'm more willing to, to like, stay up and watch it. Okay. Like, if it's not entertaining, I'm not staying up till 1130 to watch a non-entertaining basketball game. Right. I get that. That's fair. <laughs> like. <laughs> Nor would we expect you to. You know, if, you, if that's your thing, by all means, I, you know. Do do what you do, but like, right? This team is not like they're kind of exactly what we talked about. But then you have a game like Tulane where you come out and you don't play hard. Like they kind of need to have a better understanding of what they can and can't do. And I think until they have that, then it's going to be hard for them to beat. The better teams, let alone like the not really good teams. <laughs> right. Will West take and his jacket off before my head hits the pillow? Uh, no, because I'll be in bed. Yeah, the head the will game, be on the pillow. When the game starts, I'll be in bed. <laughs> <laughs> his head will be on the pillow. It's just a matter of when his eyes are closed. Yeah. But so. you got any you got any Bengals thoughts? Here, here was my, my – obviously, I'm thrilled. I've been vindic- – you know, the Joe Burrow draft pick, I was, you know, driving the bus on that one early on in the in the process. But that's not like a really going out on a limb thing. But <laughs> me, being a, me being a staunch Jamar Chase guy like a year beforehand, I will, I will claim that one. But uh, – And you deserve to claim that one. You earned that one. <laughs> like – in true Bengal fan fashion, I said to my buddies today, could you imagine what our mood would be right now if they had lost to the Chiefs and now all these guys are testing positive for COVID? Oh, and they, and they had to, had to win against to Cleveland? To Cleveland to win and win. With the backups. To make the playoffs. Like, I mean, oh. it's just, like, just makes you laugh and thank God that that's not the case, but – I also said that, like, the Bengals 
I'm not going to say that they're, you know, gaming the system, but it is awfully coincidental that they have had virtually, compared to the rest of the NFL, no COVID issues. They make the playoffs, and now all of a sudden all these guys go on the COVID list so they can get a game off and rest in a game that doesn't really matter. Yeah, And then they can't be tested for 90 days which clears the path to the Super Bowl. Hell of a coincidence, isn't it? It, it, It's pretty wild. (laughs) I was going to make a joke, but I'll keep it to myself until we stop this podcast. (laughs) What what were the percentages you thought they were going to beat the Chiefs after UC lost to Alabama and then the Tulane basketball game? presented the opportunity for the Cincinnati trifecta. I just figured they'd lose because the Chiefs were playing damn good. And then Great, they, yeah. You know, went down 14, nothing. And then, I mean, they went down four, they went down 14 points three different times to arguably the best team in the league that had won eight games in a row and still somehow came back and won. 14-7, 21, or 14 nothing, 21-7, and 28-14. Yeah. And then held that offense to three points in the last 32 minutes of the game. And Jamar Chase just said, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. I mean. It's fun to watch. Burroughs, like, you know. What did you think of the article today that he is the most, uh, yeah, the like, most aggressive a- the most and accurate, accurate passer, passer? And most aggressive. That's the most absurd thing. Like, that, you can't be those two things. No, those are not two things. One of these that like they don't go together. Well, his completion per—he's number one in the league in completion percentage, and number thirtieth in expected completion percentage. Yeah, that's you would expect a correction to the mean going forward at some point in time. I because mean, that's insane. Do you though? No. Well, better than first and thirtieth, Dave. Yes, I do correct. I do expect a correction better than he is first in his actual numbers and 30th in his expected numbers. Yeah. Maybe like, first in 18th. Yeah. Thir- <laughs> because he's the most aggressive passer in the league, that his expected completions percentage should be a lot lower. Right. Com- you know, but I mean, this, but this was why I wanted them to draft Jamar Chase. Yep. Like in the biggest games against the best teams, you have to be able to score. Yep. And you can. You don't say. You can protect. And granted, they got to get a lot better at protection. Like just because they're playing very well and scoring points and he's having a great year and Jamar Chase is having a great year, like he's still getting hit way too much. Yeah. But if you just. Moved Penny Sewell in to say right tackle, or it wouldn't have even been right tackle, it would have been guard because Riley Reef probably would have started. But say he's playing right tackle now because Reef is hurt, and you take away Jamar Chase. They're not beating the Chiefs, man. you're not beating the Chiefs. No, no, you're not I agree with that. like you're not scoring 41 on the Ravens, and that game is maybe a lot closer, right? Like. It's it's just a you kind of have to like get out of your mind the way that 
I'm not saying like abandon all other things, but like if you want to win a Super Bowl, you have to score roughly 30 points a game. Yep. All right, people are probably getting mad at us for talking so much Bengals, but... Oh, well, it's been like five minutes. Yeah, they'll get over it. What do they think we're going to talk about when they keep winning? Well, we're <laughs> going to be adding some uh, some content to the banks, I'll tell you that. Yeah. We're going to be adding some content to the banks. Stay tuned. One well, thing, too, is, like, they're fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Like... Winning and losing, yeah, but like they're just fun. Like they're fun to watch play football. So they're not a chore to watch anymore. No, there have been many years over the past decade that even if they were winning during the Andy Dalton years, they were a chore kind of to watch. This seems fun. So we are going to talk about them more here between pardon the punctuation, not necessarily on this podcast, but. Maybe there's another Banks podcast that pops up. Maybe there's some content that pops up on the first page, on the front page that is a little more Cincinnati sports centric, Reds, Bengals, whatever else is is going on in town. Uh, I'm people think I'm kidding when I say I'm not stopping blowing this thing up, and we're gonna add as much content as we can possibly add. If it's not for you, don't click it. Like I don't, I don't want to hear you on the boards. Complaining about why is this here? There's yeah, content that you like. Got, there's there's, con- there's content other people like. Our job is to produce content, and I'm going to do it. We'll have plenty, do it. plenty for everybody. That's Jason, that's Jason asked O line the first and Kobe in the second. I will say I did a, my first PFF mock simulator the other day and got sauce at pick 26. Right. <laughs> so. If it happens, completely absurd. It should not happen. But I, I, I won't rule it out because I, for some reason, there's people that think he's not a top 10 draft pick, and I don't understand it. I don't understand it. No. And What are the attributes that he doesn't have, Dave? No. What are the attributes? What does he not do well? He plays run support. He blitzes. He hits. He covers. He's long. He's athletic. He's no, smart. He's got a great football IQ. What are the attributes that this guy doesn't have that people aren't like, I I don't get it. I don't get it. No. I mean, January 5th, I will, I will say I'll be, even at this point, I'll be pretty surprised if their pick is not a corner or an offensive lineman. Yeah. Awuzie has been phenomenal. Well, they're going to cut Trey Waynes. Yeah, he sucks. Fuck him. Well, how do you, we don't even know if he sucks. He can't even play. <laughs> right. <laughs> when he has played, he hasn't been good either. They saved like $11 million if they just releases it. <laughs> right. So, yeah. But anyway. I digress. Yeah. That's going to wrap it up. What a fun show. A lot of information. A lot of good stuff. And uh, we'll be back next week. Maybe uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens here in the next couple of weeks with, uh, with with some advertising on this program. Stay tuned because when the advertising hits, you're all going to be very, very excited about said advertising. <laughs> I can't tell you what, but I can tell you, it's going to make a lot of you very, very happy. That's what I can tell you. 
Until next time, he's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. Thank you to Aaron Smith on the ones and twos. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ Podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com.